Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to this week's Deliciously Stella None the Wiser. So this year I felt a bit of a sea change and I found myself not enjoying something that I used to absolutely love. This week, we're going to be talking about clubbing, or as Flick likes to call it. As usual, I'm back in the studio with my friend Flick. How are you doing, Flick? Pretty good, thanks, Bella. And you? Um, Not too bad. Have you had a lovely week? It's been the same as every other week. Sort of a solid (laughs) 6.2. So this week we're going to be talking about clubbing. Now clubbing is something that's very close to my heart because um, I think that I pursued nightclubbing a bit like an Olympic sport throughout the majority of my 20s. I enjoyed it more than anyone else. Whereas I think for me it's probably the best thing about being in the twilight of my 20s that I can finally take off the mask that I had to wear back in the day in my youth that I enjoyed clubbing as you did Bella whereas I've always hated it, and it's just the most delicious feeling in the world that it's just not expected in the same way as it used to be. But Fig and I used to go to nightclubs together all of the time. We used to go underage clubbing, as everyone does, a lot. And how Flick managed to get in anywhere, I just don't know. Like, you looked like an embryo when you were 18. I know, and it didn't even help that I was never brave enough to, you know, send off for a fake ID. So what I did use was my older sister's passport from when she was eight years old. So I actually got into clubs somehow, looking like a child, using another child's passport. I mean, my mum actually bought me my first fake ID when I was 16. She bought me a national identity card off the internet. It cost £10. And I remember being in a queue for a club once and the bouncer just coming outside and going, anyone with one of those fucking pink things, you can go fucking home. And literally the whole queue just turned on their heels and walked away. Oh, so much for Sal trying to keep you cool. Oh, no, absolutely trying to keep me cool. But there were options that we ended up doing when inevitably we didn't get in anywhere. And I do remember, whereabouts was it? Somewhere in Chelsea, I think, uh, that we used to end up in Le Shop. But the pancake place that sold cocktails. Yeah, so basically it was just one dodgy Lebanese guy 
who served crepes. It's one of those things that sound, feels like a weird dream, but definitely did used to happen. We would go downstairs where we would smoke way too many camel blues that they used to have in those vending machines that they no longer have and then also smoke shisha eat crepes and inevitably just end up talking to the Lebanese man till the wee hours in the morning and then we just go home I feel like everyone has that underage club in their town where they know that's the only place where they'll definitely get in like I grew up in Edinburgh and we had somewhere called Garibaldi's and had a light up dance floor a mirrored ceiling and a pole and I spent like a lot of my formative years thinking that I could pole dance. Why is that a thing? Why do we all think we can pole dance when we're in clubs? I mean, you used to just hurl yourself into the air and expect to be carried to just I end did. up flooring entire groups of men. 100% until I was escorted out by bouncers telling me, you didn't put your shoes on. So one of the, my favourite things that ever happened in that nightclub Garibaldi's is I went with a really good friend of mine from home and um, she met a man and he told her that he'd just got back from Afghanistan so she gave him a hand job under the table and ever since then we've known her as hand jobs for heroes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so Flick, what is it that you hate so much about clubbing? I don't know where to start. So, actually I do. Let's start in the queue because I don't want to queue for anything really, but the difference between me queuing in a supermarket is that I know that there's a pack of Tanfastics or something in my trolley that is the reward at the end of it. What is the reward at the end of a club queue? You smell, you're sweating, you've spent a million pounds on alcohol that you don't want, you've been groped by a stranger, and more times than not, I'm the one that gets lost and left behind in the Uber. There is no reward at the end of that queue, so that's why I hate it to begin with. Please, let's just talk about Freshers' Week and mm. those first clubbing experiences at uni. I mean, I was so desperate to convince everyone that I was cool at Freshers' Week that I lit a flaming Sambuca in my mouth and I hadn't wiped my mouth properly, so I burnt all the way up my cheek like a Chelsea smile. Oh and I God. had to walk around for the whole of the first few weeks at university with this scar on my face. Everyone thought I was so weird. So no fresh as romance for you then, Belle? No, absolutely not. See, I think I lasted all of about four minutes on the first night in Dublin, where I was at uni, when we had to go to one of those traffic light parties, just my idea of hell. Um, however, the fellow flatmates that I had in the halls that we were put in were rather more keen and I came back to find this very sweet, innocent young Irish girl from, I think she was from Kilkenny, losing her virginity on our kitchen table while she was dressed as an angel and the boy, whom I don't believe she knew particularly well, was dressed as a priest. She spent the next two weeks going to church every day confessing. She's probably still doing her Hail Marys now. I feel like I graduated from one type of nightclub to another. So I think for my sort of the first half of my first year, it was all quite innocent and fun. And then for the second half, I got really, really into raving or, you know, probably more accurately, raving. So I went to school with a, a lot of quite posh people who got really, really into dance music mm -hmm. and we thought we were so safe. Yeah, whereas I actually didn't feel very safe around you, I felt more scared, <laughs> especially with the costumes that came with it. You know, so I went through a period where I only wore neon and lame and I 
used to wear this pink vest that had an upside down smiley face on it and a t-shirt that said pump up the jam and pretty much nothing else. What I love also is that it was always the same sized pair of lame shorts and obviously there were periods where because you were raving so hard you forgot to eat in which case they worked wonders but then sometimes you'd go through good you know periods of abstinence when Domino's was your best friend. So they always looked slightly different on you, depending where your head was at. Are you trying to say that I got fat at university? Because I did. I'd just say festively full. (laughs) Festively plump. There we go. I think I've always had a bit of a phobia of kind of dressing up and really showing that I'm on a night out, per se, um, which stems from the first party get-up I was made to wear by my dear mother, um, which was probably our first experience, really, of clubbing, aged kind of 12, 13, when we went to a charity-run capital VIP party, The Feathers. And that was a real rite of passage, wasn't it? It was the first time that you slow-danced with a boy or kissed a boy. And you included, you know, most people wore the obligatory outfit, no matter what stage of puberty or lack thereof, um, you were at, which was a tartan miniskirt, knee-high boots, maybe a little corset number, train tracks, uh, and aggressively straightened hair with a touch of turquoise eyeliner. Somehow I missed that memo, and because I was too small to even go into shops where they sold those kind of clothes, I wore a crushed blue velvet skirt that had feathers on the bottom, it came just below the knee from Jigsaw Junior, and a matching crushed blue velvet jacket with feathers down the middle of it, and a little, just to, you know, tie the whole thing together, a little blue feathered headband. Now, I was so horrendous looking that my sister and her friend, so worried were they that I wouldn't be asked to dance, which obviously was the most important thing of the night, had asked this this friend's younger brother who was also going to be there to make sure that he'd asked to dance with me dance with me not dance for me that would have been horrifying (laughs) he actually came up to me during the party with a little gaggle of his mates standing behind him and he went look um I'm really sorry to be you know a a bit of a dick but um I know I meant to ask you for dance but to dance but I I just really can't but can we just agree to tell our sisters that we did dance And you know what? So sad was I that I was actually delighted because I was like, now I can say I've danced with someone and they're never going to call me a liar. I remember those snogging competitions were absolutely rife at those parties as well. I think um, that that the only day girl in our year, who I won't name, I think she snogged 13 people in one night. Mm -hmm. I remember going back when I was far too old to be there just because I heard that Daniel Radcliffe might be there too. And I mean to say that you've kissed Harry Potter. Who wouldn't? I'd be still going there now. I actually went to a play the other day that Daniel Radcliffe was in because I knew there was a there was an after party that I managed to get myself an invite for and I lurked aggressively because he is Harry Potter and he didn't come and talk to me. And I think that someone somewhere knows and they've been like, she's here, she's here, just like, don't approach. Oh, and you didn't even have your invisibility cloak on. <laughs> I was so uncool that a friend of mine came to visit me at university and he saw me and my friends all dancing in a circle around one of our handbags in a club and he just turned to me and he went, you lot are all just a bunch of sad blonde ravers and we still call each other the SBRs I love that I always feel well I don't feel jealous that I don't get included because you really earned that title and earned the right to your exclusivity I used to tell people that I could take like 10 pills in one night and that I was like born in fabric also didn't you go and pick up your pingers on a BMX I used to ride a BMX around university indeed I think I must I must have ridden it 
about 10 metres every time. They're really difficult to ride BMXs. Just to up your street cred. Yeah, absolutely to up my street cred. I made everyone buy it for me for my birthday. But I I was, because I hate bicycles, I had a sort of pink gel cushion that I sat on to make it more comfortable, which really got rid of the cred. And I insisted on wearing a helmet absolutely everywhere. When did you decide to leave your raving behind? Or indeed, have you? Because rumour has it that you were out this weekend. I would say that I've got one foot in the rave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I sort of I sort of abandoned it after... There was a period at, at, at uni, I don't know if it happened for you guys in Dublin, but um, when Mephadrone was really, really massive. It happened, but you know, Bella, I was never cool enough to be invited to those parties. Yeah, so Mephadrone was this horrible... I'm sure everyone knows this horrible like club drug that was legal at the time so it got absolutely everyone people who didn't normally take drugs started taking it and it was everywhere and it stank like cat piss no it didn't it actually smelt like old like an old open bottle of Malibu because people used to come back sort of sweet smelling I remember it very clearly I once lent our hoover to a boy's house down the road and they took a lot of mephadrone and then when they gave it back every time you hoovered the house the whole house would smell of it vile because it was so vile and this boy actually dealt mephadrone using business cards so the day that it became illegal his house got raided by the police and he was duly arrested how stupid do you have to be to use business cards to deal your drugs what did it say on the business card it said bleep bleep for all your party needs <laughs> and you my friend with number one customer <laughs> number one customer on my bmx yeah, I, knew, I also i had a i had a ford cat at the time and i used to drive around university playing drum and bass so loudly that everyone outside the car would know that i was listening to drum and bass and therefore think that i was really cool did they, though? Did they really think you were No, really nobody cool? thought I was cool. I was the least cool person who's ever existed on Earth. I was the worst. So when I was part of the SBRs, I was friends in particular with this girl called MDMA Barbie. And we called her that because she used to wear about a million weaves in her hair and her bedroom looked like a weave graveyard. And when I was living with her, I once, <laughs> I once was really bored and... I decided I was going to take a picture of myself with all of her sex toys and send it to my other friend in the library. So I went into her bedroom and I opened her drawer and I was like, oh, whip, seen that before. What I thought was a paddle, it was actually a clothes brush. And then I found this thing and I I couldn't identify it. I was like, it looks like a sort of a riding hat, but with a dildo attached. So naturally I did what any sensible person would do and I went in and I got it and I put it on the kitchen table and I went upstairs and I lay and waved and MDMA Barbie got back from the library and was like what the fuck is my childo doing on the table? Do you know what I love Bella is that you say that you were going to send this photo to one friend I was in a different country at the time and I saw that photo <laughs> it was so good yeah so it was a childo which is a chin dildo so you can have sex with your girlfriend while you're going down on her and they say there aren't enough female engineers <laughs> right Belle so with just a couple of months to go until you do hit 30 mm. you're currently one foot in the rave is this it now are we going to pack it up so I think that whatever happens there will always be a little bit of a raver in me like, I'll probably be that weirdo in their 70s who's a graver in the club. 
Like, you know, when you're sort of, you're, you're in a sort of a big group and you're listening to a DJ and then you turn to your left and you realise that there is someone as old as your dad next to you and you're like, come on, mate, it's over. I will be that person. It will not be over for me. For my friend's 30th, I recently went to Berlin and it was it was amazing. It was so much fun. But I sort of, I got back and I was like, God, I, th- I think those days are over. I mean, I, I tried to get myself sectioned on the Wednesday. Bella, if you insist on having a rave as your retirement party, I promise you that I will don the glad rags and I will make an exception to my anti-clubbing rule. That's <laughs> how you. much I love you. Thank you so, so much. I, I, I don't think I'm going to do it. I, just, I'm, I, I don't think actually I can really sort of withstand prolonged nights out. Sort of like I can do, I can do one night and it takes me about two days to recover now, but I can't, I can't do more than that. Or I know I will be, like, calling the Priory and asking them to get a bed ready. But, Belle, I know that you adore the clubbing itself. But you have to remember that there's all of the other bullshit that happens around it. So you've got pre-game, then you've got clubbing, then you've got after the event, whether that's an after party, the journey home. There's got to be something that you really don't like. I really don't like those chicken shops that try and pass off nuggets that are actually toenails. Like, I do not believe that any of that stuff that's marketed as chicken has ever seen a chicken. Sorry for the delay, but I was just sick in my mouth. I actually, I was on my way back from a festival the other day. It was like a day festival thing, and I got a taxi back at one in the morning, and I was absolutely starving on my way back, and I stopped at one of those chicken shops, and I actually, I, I bought one of those toenail burgers. And the next day is the worst I have felt in the last five years. Yeah, I remember once waking up and my boyfriend at the time had been out raving and had obviously come home, I'd been asleep. And the first thing that happened was I swung my little feet out of bed, stood up and stood right into a half-eaten punnet of curry sauce chips. Needless to say, he's no longer with me. That's one where I broke up with him. See, I was at uni in Newcastle and the sort of, the after club eating game was a really big thing. So they had like disco chippies where they played music and stuff. And I would always order some chips with cheese and gravy and garlic sauce. That That is disgusting. You animal. I did have the perk of living with an Italian girl once. And whereas everyone else was, as you said, queuing up for the cottage... Um, she would come back no matter how drunk she was and make the most incredible Italian food. So she'd literally be like, oh, it's just something simple if you want, some spaghetti alla carbonara. It's, uh, Even though this was five o'clock in the morning and she was off her nut, it would be delicious every time. God, what a treat. Yeah, the only good thing that ever came out of those experiences. <laughs> so all this talk of food, it's actually got me really hungry. Shall we go for dinner? Yeah, let's. Thanks so much for joining us this week and letting me relive my errant youth. Uh, Next week, we will be back and we will be talking about hobbies. If you're enjoying the new series of the podcast, please do subscribe. You can find us on iTunes or Acast. Or if you want to get in touch directly, you can email me at deliciouslystella at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at deliciouslystella. See you next time. (laughs) 